Hi teachers, I'm Carly Walton and this is the Teach Music Online Podcast, a show where you'll find tips and strategies for growing your Monday. I hope that you have an exciting week of plans coming up wherever you are and I'm just so grateful that you have decided to tune into the podcast. Thank you for joining me. I just wanted to say how much I love getting feedback on the podcast and seeing your reviews on iTunes. It helps me realize that there are real teachers listening to this. So thank you so much for sharing those thoughts and reviews with me. I really appreciate them. Recently, I have been going through the Teach Music Online course and adding new videos and new instructions to make building an online teaching business even easier. I'm so excited to share that I've recently added several new instructional sections, such as advanced OBS training, mindfulness practice, basic tips for editing software, notion for organization, and production tips for courses. I am so passionate about providing education that makes life easier for teachers and for entrepreneurs. So if you are a TMO member, be sure that you are looking back through the course. I do have several members that are going through it for their second time because videos are always being added or updated or we're adding more resources or coaching calls to just help you fine tune different aspects of your business. Also, the new course creators for course creator for musicians course has been getting a ton of really positive feedback. So I'm just so thrilled to help you guys build courses as well. Today's review for TMO comes from Rick. He left this review on Google and he said, teach music online as a program, platform, and a caring community of fellow musicians is a superb place for music teachers who want to create an online studio. There is a great deal of tried and true first-class information within the well-designed courses and within the community of highly experienced teachers. Well-deserving of five stars. Thank you, Rick. I'm so thrilled that you're in TMO and that it's provided such amazing value to you, to you in your business. Nikki Loney is the founder of Full Voice Music, an organization that produces entertaining and educational materials for young singers. She is a pleasure to talk to and has so many innovative ideas to share. Something remarkable about Nikki is that she is a full-time online voice teacher and has a passion for helping others succeed. She has developed a unique approach to teaching young singers voice and has managed to create a successful online teaching career. I thought it would be a great opportunity to hear from her about her journey, her experience in the industry, and how she has been able to make online teaching so successful. In this episode, Nikki shares her thoughts on why the common misconception that online lessons are not effective or sustainable is false. She also provides valuable insight into how to make online teaching engaging and successful. I am sure you will enjoy hearing about Nikki's journey and her advice on making it in the online teaching world. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Nikki Loney. I wanted to start with something I found on your website. Um, You state on your website that full voice music creates super fun and educational resources for young singers. We help spectacular voice teachers working with young singers enjoy fun and productive vocal lessons. Why did you choose to focus on young singers in your business? Oh, that's a great question. So, and we get that question a lot. Um, There is a gaping hole in resources for young singers and uh there's there i mean if you look at all the resources that 
piano teachers have? I mean, you have a choice of publishers, of, mm -hmm. of back, you know, genre, everything. There's just so much amazing stuff. When I first started teaching, there was nothing like zero. So if you can imagine, you know, a piano student shows up and you don't have a book for them. So how would you teach them? So that's, that was the voice teacher's dilemma. And it got better as you got older. And of course, like higher levels of, of repertoire and compilations of repertoire were available at the time, but there wasn't a lot for kids. So when I first started teaching voice, I used a lot of piano methods and I, and I, and they were good to a certain extent. And I even looked at like violin pro like programs, like, mm -hmm. for, like for the little littles, but oh my goodness, there was, there was nothing wow. for us. Yeah. So there was a hole in the, in the industry. And, and I was complaining to my dad one day, I said, teaching is so hard and I don't know what to do. And all these kids just, they, I don't know how to teach them. And it's, it's just too much. And he's like, well, fix the problem. What's the problem? And I was like, well, there's nothing for them. And he's like, well, fix it. And I'm like, okay. And that was 30 years ago. <laughs> so, wow. so yeah, so that's why we focus on the little ones just to make sure there's lots of resources. I can think to when I started teaching young kids voice, I've taught occasional voice lessons throughout the years, mostly when I had a piano student who also wanted to learn voice. And sure. I mostly would use like a Disney book, maybe, you know, where it just had their vocal line with like chords mm -hmm. or, you know, a children's songbook or children's rhymes, things like that. But tell me what have been some of your, your favorite resources to create that have been super helpful for those younger singers? Well, that, and I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I, I did the same thing. I would get the Disney books and the, the children's song books. Um, and those were great. Uh, but like, like a piano method book, there was no like curriculum, like how to introduce quarter notes and rhythms and reading and stuff. So our first product that we created was our workbooks and it was just an organized look at learning about music and reading music and uh, the funny thing was that we actually didn't put any repertoire in the books because repertoire is very personalized so we just thought it was easier to allow the teacher to do that so the our first our first resource was just getting like a piano method minus the song so breaking it into little activities and just getting the kids like learning music and and reading music but using the voice as the main focus that was the challenge and we started oh gosh we started just with one page activity sheets and we would test them with our students and we noticed right away that there was far better engagement and the other thing that we noticed is how excited the kids were to show their mom and dad that they had accomplished something in their lesson so one of the byproducts of testing these worksheets was that we had better student retention and we had parents who were more invested in the lesson so we knew we were on to something. And then over a span of about four or five years, we organized those worksheets into leveled books. Wow. Okay. So I'm, I'm thinking of this also from a curriculum, like as a K through eight music teacher, 
you know, I've done that as well. And thinking K through eight elementary teacher, music teachers have a ton of resources, right? For a classroom mm-hmm. setting where you're doing rhythm games or you're on the xylophone mm-hmm. or you're um, learning note values right. baked into kind of a lesson plan. So was it kind of bridging that gap where you're teaching them theory fundamentals, how to read notes, not just like a repeat after me right. vocalist. That, that's exactly <laughs> right. And we we did look at a lot of classroom materials. We looked at Kadai based materials, yeah. ORF based materials. And we looked at, um, I don't know if you have them in the States, but like the uh, Music for Young Children's programs, we looked at what they, they kind of structured. Now that was more kind of a preschool start, but we did look at that. And yeah, yeah. so we were basically taking elements from classroom, elements from Kadai, ORF, but also applying it in a way because when you're working one-on-one with a student, you know it's different than a classroom. Yeah. And there was that customization that we were able to do. And same thing with like learning repertoire. When I work with my small group class, it's different than a private student, right? We can get a little more detailed with our private students. So we wanted to really find that that mix of of what music information they needed. We looked at ages and stages. We looked at curriculums for classrooms. We looked at curriculums for classrooms in Canada, in the US, in Australia, in the in the UK. Because mm-hmm. there's different there's different rules and guidelines. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, we ripped apart our first two books, the full voice workbooks, uh, the introductory and the level one, probably a half a dozen times. And yeah, wow. we're on our third edition. So we, we. And how many levels are there? There's four. Okay, awesome. Oh, I'm excited to look at them. I have two, my two sisters are musicians as well, and they both oh. teach voice in the Seattle area. And they're always asking me, like, who do you know with voice curriculum? <laughs> they are in that situation where they're working with young students. Sometimes they teach online, sometimes they're in person, but it's like, how can we, you know, fill lesson time with like valuable, you know, lesson versus just practice, which I think sometimes would happen for me, honestly, with a a young voice student where they might not be practicing during the week. So I feel like when they come to me, we're just learning what, how to, you know, the pitch, Absolutely, (laughs) not not a lot beyond that. (laughs) Yeah. And, and that's a common, that's a common question that we get. And when I do like teacher trainings, that's the number one question. Like, how do I keep them engaged? And, and I struggled with that in the beginning too, because without, without a curriculum, without different activities, you know, just doing some vocal exercises and then focusing on repertoire, which is more or less what I would do with my adult singers. You know, I would focus more on some technical, maybe a little bit of voice care, but really they're coming to me to work through a song or to work on performance skills. But with a child, just like in a, in a comprehensive piano lesson, I mean, they are learning to read the, the notes. They are learning to feel the beat. They are learning to express themselves. And there's so many different activities. And, 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 I, and I'm sure you know, and, and your, your, your members and your listeners know, I mean, piano teachers have embraced those off the, the bench activities, right? Like you just, um, my son who is 12 now, but when he was six, <laughs> 
we signed him up for piano lessons and he had a fabulous teacher, Dr. Chris Foley, shout out, he is amazing. And he was the master of a well-structured, engaging lesson. Now, unfortunately for Dr. Chris Foley, my son loves baseball more than anything in the world. And he wasn't, it wasn't how he wanted to express himself, but I witnessed a beautiful lesson with movement and rhythm and writing and listening and playing like brilliant. And I'm like, why can't we do that with our singers? We need to be doing that with our singers. They need to develop those skills just as yeah. much as any other musician. And those skills are often omitted from a lot of voice lessons. When somebody asks you for a recommendation as a, as a singer, young or some in the childhood age, when is it better for a child to be in a group setting to learn music? And when is it better for them to have a one-on-one -on -one instructor? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, it really depends on the singer, on the student. Um, I love small group classes and I started doing small group classes with my littles uh, probably about seven years ago. And it was interesting because you would get the small group and you would get to know the kids and you could easily identify the children who needed to have private instruction and the children who were happier in the group. You could immediately, mm. um, one of my, she's still my student now. She started when she was seven. She was in the small group class. Now she was having a great time, but she did not want to wait her time to sing the solo uh, she was very eager. She was uh, very interested in performing. And it was just, I've, I've, and I've had a couple of those students that you can just see that maybe they're not challenged by the group or they're just not getting the attention that they need. And what I love about small groups is that's one of the things when I started doing small introductory vocal groups, I didn't have to advertise. I had no spaces because there was always kids that came up through the groups and were perfect for my studio. And I, I, so I was always filling spots. So, you know, my university bound students would leave and I would be sad, but I knew there was like a couple of voices in my classes that were ready to move into private. Mm, interesting. So it's kind of connecting them to that private. I, mm -hmm. I was certified in the Let's Play Music Method. I'm not sure, which is a, a wonderful program where it takes um, at age four. So it's pre-kindergarten pre mm -hmm. age yeah. to kindergarten and first grade. And then it, they connect you to a, a piano teacher mm -hmm. or you could be connected to a voice teacher. And they have connect teachers who are certified in this method so that they can take them from the exact structure of right. chord the foundation of chords into piano. Mm. So they're not just mm. like jolted into a traditional piano lesson. Yeah. Yeah. The one thing that I loved about the small group classes is singing is such a vulnerable act. And I would say, you know, my first small group class, I had six mm. kids and which was a lot for me to handle because I'm not a classroom teacher and I don't have classroom experience. So when I moved away from doing private lessons to small group, it was pretty terrifying. And there was some learning I had to do. Um, 
it was interesting because I had like four, five really shy little girls. And I had one little girl who was just like an extra extrovert who, mm-hmm. who, and it was great that she was there because she gave her confidence, some of her confidence, you know, oozed out onto the not so confident singers. And there was a lot of support. And so there was the safety in Mm. numbers, which some children need, they just feel far more comfortable when they can engage with other students. And then there was that one little singer who was just ready to be on Broadway. And there was a really good energy there. And it took you know, probably half of the semester for my, the five of them to really start to like volunteer to sing alone, but it was beautiful to see their confidence build. Yes. I think that's such a good point that their personalities and their needs and the parents desire for what they get out of the lesson can Mm -hmm. always can be, there's, there's such a variety, like there's so many different goals, right? Like if, if some child is like very gifted and that's noticeable, they might need one-on-one because they're going somewhere with it versus like, they just need to learn some self-discipline and learn how to sit still and learn how to listen and comprehend Absolutely. like all of the amazing skills you get from being in that setting with a group. Yeah. The nice thing for teachers. And the, one of the things that I always tell teachers is the nice thing about small group classes at the introductory level is it's, it is a way for families to get started in musical instruction or in voice instruction. And that that's huge because I mean, a private lesson fee is a commitment financially and Mm -hmm. time-wise. Um, and some families don't understand, maybe they don't understand the benefit, you know, Mm -hmm. maybe they're just trying things out and they're not sure um i've had parents that were like she is so shy we don't know if this is going to be a good fit for her but we want to encourage her i've had i've had parents that are like her classroom teacher would really like to see her get some confidence maybe this will help so for parents it's very much a, we're going to just try this out and i think a group lesson is perfect for that yeah but what's beautiful for the teacher is you can identify the families that you do or do not want to work with on a on a private level like mm. you've kind of you've kind of onboarded the family you know them you know, mm-hmm. you know, oh, are they going to pay you? You know, are they late with yeah. payment all the time? Does the kid not show up? Like you can kind of gauge like interest level and, and the family and decide. And that just makes for such a smooth transition into private lessons. Mm-hmm. Because when I get a, you know, when I get an 11, 12 year old that's just starting, it's a good couple of months before I get to know them well enough that I can make connections with them, that I can find repertoire that they really like, that they feel confident singing for me. That can take quite some time and that can be stressful. It can be stressful for the kid. It can be stressful for the parents. Um, A lot of that first onboarding, getting comfortable, you know, managing expectations, you know, parents have all these questions. So when they go through yeah. the, when they go through the group class, they, they know what's going on. They're comfortable yeah. with you. It's, it's really helpful to have that offer. 
if there's a voice teacher listening who's hearing, you know, you kind of tell about both of these situations, do you have materials for group a- as well? I know you mentioned your work workbooks. Are those able to be used in the group setting or do you train on how to use those in the group setting as well? That's a great question. Um, for the young introductory groups, bec- it depends on how a teacher would want to set them up. I mean, to go through an entire workbook, I mean, depending on the student, it can take a good year to mm-hmm. go through a complete a workbook. I usually recommend uh, for little ones, I recommend that teachers use our songs and studies for kids books. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a new series, which is um, a little more geared to like the young ones. So like six and seven that are just getting started and they're tiny little songs and little activities. And I think teachers will find that a little more friendly for getting started. Um, we have, we have, well, we have a teacher's guide. There's a full voice teacher's guide. Now I want people to keep in mind, it was written and published before the pandemic. And I do have goals to redo it, to include a chapter on online teaching. Um, I actually was able to move my small group class online quite successfully. Um, And we had a lot of fun, like a Mm -hmm. lot of fun. Um, But I would update, I would update, I'm probably gonna update that next year maybe. but we do lots of teacher trainings and if if people want to go to the full voice blog i actually have blog articles that outline online lessons awesome or the awesome. groups awesome so and it has links to free uh songs that we put out and free activities so i would recommend that they check out yeah. the the full voice blog starting there that'd be awesome yeah. That'll get them started. Let's, let's talk about that a little bit more. Um, for online teaching, you, for those listening, you, they may not know you do that now fully, Mm, fully online, which is unique. I I would say very unique for voice teaching, especially. Mm. And I wonder if you could choose maybe three things to help make online lessons with a voice student successful. Oh, Um, Sure. I know that we could talk all day, but maybe there's three. (laughs) Sure, sure. Okay. (laughs) Maybe there are three that you feel like here's a place to start if you've been struggling teaching voice online. Okay. Yes. So the first thing that I would suggest to teachers and something that I started doing, the first lesson of the term, whether I've been working with the student for a while or not, is what I call a, and this is in my lesson policies, is a tech set up lesson and parents have to be there they have to be set up in the room that the student is going to be singing in i get a lowdown of what equipment they're using we check the wi-fi signal Uh, i want to know where their bluetooth speaker is i want to know what devices they are using singers need to have another device to play their tracks on this on their side So I can't play the piano for them anymore. So they have to have all of those materials. So they have to have the device, laptop, iPad, whatever, to Zoom call or whatever platform the teacher wants to use. And then they have to have a device, preferably not streaming, but where they're 
where the accompaniment lives, so or or whatever resources that they have to play, um, and we go through all of that and we talk about who is responsible if I email some materials to the child who's responsible for getting the materials on the child's devices. Uh, when, when I was dealing with some of my bigger families, it was like, whose device is this? And is it a problem for them to have access to it? Like, let's, let's kind of talk about some of those. So it just kind of helped parents to understand, like, these are the tools that we need. They need to be accessible. They need to be working. I, I had a real big issue with the Chromebooks in the beginning. So I would be like, is there another device that you could possibly use? I don't know if that's an issue anymore, but we, we talk through all of that. The other thing that I do is I set up their learning space with the parents. The kids have to have a sitting area where they can sing and do hand signs or sing and do their full voice workbook. And then they have to have a standing area where they would like perform their songs. And it could be as simple as they just take their iPad over to a dresser and then they set up at the dresser and now we have a performance area. And that, you would be surprised, like that lesson is like crucial. And I do- I was it gonna say, this is something that piano teachers need to do as well. Like any online instructor needs to put forth the effort to lay this all out I mean, visually, they need to see it with photos and one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 steps, <laughs> and then go through it with the teacher. And I, I love that you make that known that our first lesson, you know, the majority of our first lesson will be setting this in place. Yeah. And then, and then just going through and, and doing basically a sound check. Turn, here's the track, turn on the Bluetooth, sing for me. Can you hear me? what do you need to fix because again like the that it's so frustrating when you have technical issues and it happens and you you roll with the punches but you don't you know if people are are frustrated on their side of the call like it, it's just going to really take away from their experience and 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 again it's funny you know you i did the <laughs> i did the checklist to the pdf with the pictures and the checklist and i thought that that would be enough <laughs> you're laughing because you know right like yeah nobody reads your emails nobody reads the pdf you sent so the actual going through it with the families made a huge difference and you know making sure that everything was in place that would be my first tip um the other thing for uh like for engagement and for for keeping kids focused. Um, the one thing I want to say, engagement is not compliance. Mm -hmm. Engagement is not just they do what you ask them to do. A lot of teachers, when they ask me about engagement, they're really just asking me, how do I get them to do what I need them to do? <laughs> engagement is the level of excitement and interest and genuine willingness to participate and often it's we you know voice teachers are really bad we want to lecture about the body parts and talk about the science and anatomy and that's all delightful but it's really making sure that the kids are participating and hands-on participating so if i'm doing an exercise on the whiteboard i 
they have to know how to use the annotate and they will annotate on their side. If, if I do, if I do screen sharing, and that's another thing, like if you have PDFs of your music, screen sharing and using annotate with the kids is brilliant. Like that's like watching yeah. a little, it's watching a video, they have fun. But I also say, okay, I need you to mark the beginning of that bar with a star. They love that. Okay. Yeah. There's the star. And then, and then getting them to, I have a rule and, and this is, this would be in person or online. The kids have to be allowed to repeat themselves several times before I, I interrupt with any corrections. Um, so, cause most times, most times they will self-correct. So I don't, or if I, if I don't hear it, maybe the connection gets a little weird. I don't interrupt them. I just say, oh, that was great. Can we try that one more time? And although the kids laugh, they're like, when you say one more time, that's a lie. And I'm like, okay, you got me. <laughs> um, so letting them sing multiple times, like sing through their songs, sing through their exercises. I, I have a minimum of three times before I get involved in correction it's nine times out of ten they self-correct by the third time that's good and and it's kind of reducing the number of things that they're getting told you know to yeah, do or to yeah fix. exactly so that i guess that's two what's the third one um i i love visuals and props uh, so like even though i'm no longer in person the things that I used to do for fun, like I had a jar, we, the kids called it the jar of doom, which <laughs> was just a big jar of like, do I have it? Um, it's just a dirt jar that had like tongue twisters and fun little exercises. And the kids named it jar of doom. I didn't name it jar of doom. Um, so they, in the in-person lesson, they would reach in and they would pull out whatever tongue twister. I obviously can't do that. So I do have the jar here and I'll say to them, okay, you tell me when to stop. So they still have mm -hmm. to watch me and then I'll hold up the tongue twister to the camera and we'll go from there. If I can, like my kids have little Solfege flashcards on their side so they can still be hands-on and we could still do activities where they are touching the flashcards. So again, participation, engagement, they're doing the moving, I'm not just showing them things. So anytime you can, you know, make it kinesthetic, whether it's you doing something or having them do something on the other side, that keeps them engaged That's and great. happy. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Oh, those are so good. I, yeah. you know, I, I, this thought just popped in my mind because it's something that I know both of us have seen online is people, people love every chance they get to, I'm more specifically teachers to say or state that online lessons are less effective period. Or, you know, I, sometimes I run ads about online teaching and people love commenting on my ads. Like, yeah, I did online lessons for, you know, the pandemic, but I couldn't wait to go back to in-person and I'll never do it again. Now th there aren't very many of them, but they're out there. So sure. as a voice teacher, what do you say to that teacher who wants to claim those things? <laughs> you know, um, if there's one thing I noticed about when I taught online, uh, it was how much 
I was overcompensating in the lesson and really spoon feeding my students. It really challenged me as a teacher and as challenging as the pandemic was and that whole time, I mean, we're all like overnight, our lives changed. Um, I, I made a promise to myself cause I'm kind of one of those really highly competitive like hardworking A type people. I'm like, I am going to make these lessons the most fun, best lessons I possibly could. I wanted to do it for my students and their families and to make it like something that they looked forward to during that difficult time. And I surprised myself because every wow. time I every time I tried something new and my like my kids always logged off with huge smiles on their faces. And I was like, why isn't this, why is it, why, why is this so difficult? Like, like, I mean, I had to modify, but I didn't complain about it. And I, there's, there's solutions out there. And for anybody listening, like I wasn't using high tech, you know, low latency. I didn't want to overwhelm my families with that technology. I was using Zoom. And man, we, we did beautiful work. And it was the flexibility of being online that allowed my family to like, you know, realize that, hey, you know what, we really would like to live somewhere else. And I don't, I'm not bound here by the studio. I don't have to stay here. And all of my students were like, yeah, no problem. Of course, these lessons are fabulous. Um, for voice teachers, uh, Hmm. I don't want, I don't want to offend anybody. Um, I think, I think a lot of voice teachers struggle with engaging lessons in person. So if you are struggling with engaging lessons, when you are in person, you are going to really struggle online. Yeah. If, if you know how to in, in connect with a child or anybody, it doesn't, not just a child. If you know how to make those connections, you can do it online just as well. If you are struggling with that type of engagement in person, you're not, it's going to, it's going to be hard online, really hard online. So the confidence, it's so true. The confidence of the teacher is everything. You know, we've absolutely. had teachers who move across country or to another country as well. And they're always shocked that their students stay with them, but I never am. Right. <laughs> I'm like, of course <laughs> they stayed with you. You're they amazing. love you. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I wanted to say too, I have a lot of colleagues so prior to the pandemic. I had done a few online lessons because, you know, I was in Canada and we get these crazy snowstorms. And there was one winter where we had so many snow days that my families were getting really concerned about all the missed lessons. Cause there, yeah. I think there was something like we had had eight snow days and that's a lot. Like you might get two, maybe three, but that winter was horrible. So I started doing online lessons on Skype. It was Skype back then. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't, I mean, it was new and, and it was exciting. And, and so I kind of had a little taste of it prior to the pandemic, which I think helped me transition. Um, but you know, there's, I have a lot of friends and a lot of colleagues that have now that maybe they're not completely online, but online is a, is an option. And they now have like hybrid studios 
and parents appreciate the flexibility of not having to drive their their student if they don't have to or you know somebody in the household is sick with covid well we can still have our lesson or you know or you know somebody has a hockey practice well you can stay home and do your like there's a flexibility yeah. and an opportunity to and and i have a lot of friends that that is part of their offerings now and families are very grateful for it so you know it's something to think about you know from a business standpoint absolutely and it's not going anywhere i think some people no. were concerned like gosh, I'm getting these new students that live in other places during the pandemic online because of referrals or they're finding me on Facebook. They're going to leave me when it's over, but it's not, that's not what's mm. happening because no. what we forget is that students build relationships with teachers. You are a mentor to them. And mm -hmm. the last thing that parent wants to do is go find another excellent mentor that they can trust <laughs> who has time. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And, and on the other side of that too, I mean, um, you know, students come and go in our studios. I know you probably talk about this all the time with your people and for lots of different reasons, like, you know, so many different reasons. Families have limited resources and resources being not just money, but time, transportation, support. And the more you can make yourself like accessible, accessible mm -hmm. to families the more that that's a huge bonus that you yes. would you that's huge right oh you know you need to have a lesson from home today great no problem right oh you want to come in next week fabulous like that is beautiful um i i mean all of my studio is online because we we moved to remote nova scotia um but my students like my my adult students they love the online mm. they love it being able to sing from their home and one of the things i did so this isn't about the littles but with my adult singers because we were online we did these group classes called sip and sing <laughs> And because nobody was driving anywhere, if they wanted to have a little beverage and and they would, it was a performance class. So in their private lessons, we would be working on a song and then we would have a sip and sing evening. Everybody would zoom in, you know, maybe you had a glass of wine, maybe a cup of tea, whatever you wanted. And you got to share your music and it was, they were fabulous. Fabulous. So fun. Yeah. Oh, I love it. There's so many opportunities out there, so many opportunities. So, and, and I know that your teachers, you know, well, they're in the right place because they have, have you nurturing them and mentoring <laughs> them and cheering them on. So there's just oh, so thank many you. opportunities. Tell me where teachers can find you if they want to learn about those fantastic workbooks or your mm. blog. Okay. So, uh, fullvoicemusic.com. 
uh, is our, our hub of activity and all of the information is there. What I will tell people is to make sure that you check out the free resource page. Cause if you just want to check out and get mm. like some fun little activities, the songbird warm up game is that thing that I talked about. What about the strips of activities that you pull out? So that's a PDF that you can print up. We also have what we call the VIP teacher newsletter. It is free. You have to sign up for our newsletter and that actually gives you access to even more free stuff, free songs. Cool. Um, we're going to have some free trainings later on this year. And it's just, you just have to sign up to our newsletter and, that, and that's how you get notification. Um, you'll see some of the free stuff. Our latest free thing, it's called the Sushi Song. Um, it's just a little warm-up song about sushi because singing about sushi is delightfully fun and that <laughs> you'll see it it'll say subscribe if you just click on it it'll it'll give you all the all the information as far as our workbooks and everything those are available worldwide on amazon um you can also get them from our website so whatever is most convenient for teachers and uh yeah all the information is there and people can reach out if they have any questions Amazing. Thank you so much for your time, for sharing your expertise and your, all the things you shared are just so helpful. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you for having me, Carly. I'm like, and thank you for what, the service that you provide. Um, we were talking a little bit before you hit record and, and we were just saying, you know, it's so, I wish that when I was started teaching, I had a mentor like you and teachers who could guide me into making better decisions than I did back then. So thank you for all you do for your community. It's so awesome. Oh, thank you. <laughs> if you've been frustrated with online teaching or feeling discouraged about how slow it feels to grow your studio, then I would love to invite you to join me inside the Teach Music Online membership. Our online membership includes multiple courses helping you with your tech, marketing systems, scheduling and payments, new student onboarding, engagement tactics, scheduling, and so much more. All of this so that you can finally feel excited and confident in what you're building as a music teacher. With hundreds of video lessons, twice monthly live coaching calls, and a thriving optimistic community, we are here to get you where you want to be. We now also offer additional courses, including Course Creator for Musicians and Studio Website Builder. To join us today, head over to teachmusic.online and I can't wait to see you there.